Good, uh, good day, and welcome to uh, yet another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, in which we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek The Next Generation. I hope people that watch this show don't get tired of that over and over that we that I say that. I'm just thinking in case you're new to the show, you might want to know, oh, my pin's all weird. You might want to know what the format of the show is. So it's very casual. Sure one day we'll have a formal and non-casual conversation. <laughs> Actually, well, I think we should have, and then when we do that, it's in, a, in British accents maybe. So it's like, I think we should have a formal and very uncomfortable conversation about Star Trek The Next Generation. So I, I would be wearing a tie during this one, right? We would be wearing tuxedos. As a, okay. The most, the, right. mo the most formal you can get. We'd have to be in tuxedos. Very, very formal. Very so, uncasual. So, Doctor, if I could take a few minutes uh, before we get started, I want to. This brings up a good subject. Is uh, we've been doing these episode summaries in the beginning. You know, I, I've been, and sometimes you've been, and I realized. I think I think I think only once you said, "Oh, you do one." Yeah, well, uh, I that's what I'm about you're, to. You're the guy who summarizes. I, well, I. Well, that's what I'm about to ask you, and I hope you don't mind that it's on the fly. And you can say no, but I'd I'd like it if you summarize this episode for the audience, just to keep it fresh, keep a a good mix. Um. Okay. <laughs> So it's called home soil. I'll I'll chime in where where I think necessary. <laughs> okay. Um, gosh, and I saw this episode like a week ago. Um, oh, then I'll give this. It sounds like you're not ready. No, I can. No, let, let me give it a try. Let me give it a go. <laughs> All right, go. <laughs> okay, so the Enterprise arrives on at this uh, terraforming colony on a planet called Valera 3, I think. Valera 3, and um, as they get to, as they check in with them, um, Troy's spider sense tingles <laughs> when she sees uh, the former head of the KGB in the 007 <laughs> universe say... Basically, Director Mendel, by the way. Director Mendel basically says, look, just... Okay, you've checked in. Now go away. Leave us alone. And uh, and Troy interprets all of this as, as being highly emotional. And, and you now he's hiding something. There's something wrong on the planet. We have to go investigate. So Picard sends an away team, and um, they meet the other th terraformers, and uh, everything seems okay on the surface. But when one of them goes into one of their labs... Suddenly, there are screams of death, and uh, a laser has uh, killed one of one of the terraformers, and a mystery begins. And um, it's like Clue, but in on a terraforming yes. station, actually. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> it was in the. It was in. It was in the parlor room <laughs> with the laser. Colonel Mustard with the Colonel laser. Mustard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Data solves the uh, the game of Clue um, when him when when he and Jordy find uh, a strange uh, non organic entity, and it gets beamed aboard the Enterprise, and soon they um, 
fulfill their mission of boldly going where no where was it uh, boldly going where no one has gone before, and they meet this new guess, life. This new life, and it's it's like a crystalline. Actually, it bears some similarity to the crystalline entity, and so this crystalline uh, non-organic entity uh, try, um, feels that uh, they're they've declared war on them on that planet. So therefore, they retaliate on the Enterprise, and uh, the episode is the Enterprise trying to convince this new life form that no, we're we're okay. We just want to understand what you are and what's going on, and. Um, Therein lies the plot. <laughs> well done. That was so. That's like basically you're absolutely right. Um, one of my favorite episodes. Even when it first aired, I was fascinated by this episode. And uh, every time I see it, I like watching it. It's not. It's not an episode that I change the channel on. I always I I enjoy reliving the experience. And I have to, you know, it's not, it's well known that I'm a sentimental uh, person and uh, I have to admit, oh yeah. <laughs> Who says these things? <laughs> and I have to admit, I, you know, the, the emotions were a little overwhelming uh, in this episode for me. I felt, Counselor Troy was, uh, I felt like Counselor Troy. I, I could relate to her. <laughs> and I was very, uh, I was feeling a lot of empathy for, uh, for the, the silicone-based life form, uh, and it was also wonder. Like that's a really wonderful idea to put into a, a young person's mind, is that um, perhaps uh, life is different than what we can even imagine out there in the universe. Absolutely, I um, <laughs> I think this episode really encapsulates what what I like about watching Star Trek. I mean, um, one of my favorite episodes of the original series is the one where they, they meet the, um, it's a, a devil in the dark. It's the silicone-based life. Oh, yeah. The oh, the Horta. Yes, the Horta. You know, what I like is, is seeing really alien life. And this episode features something incredibly uh, different, um, an alien and I, I think this is this is one of the better episodes of this season. Um, and the first half is a nice little uh, introduction to those who are not familiar with what terraforming is, which I, I guess yeah. in the '90s maybe it was it was somewhat of a of a new. I mean, I know Total Recall. I think had come out already, right? No, I had it not. I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, we could look up on IMDb when Total Recall came out, but I do remember um, this was actually Star Trek The Next Generation. This episode was my first uh, kind of introduction. introduction to the concept of, yeah, to the concept of terraforming. Uh, and then I seemed to, I could, then I saw it in a lot of other places. Right. I want, uh, yeah, I want to say this is kind of like uh, uh, the, an introduction to a lot of sci-fi fans our age at that time to the idea and the concept of terraforming and and i like that little tour that they gave of the lab and then there's that there's that planet that uh, and the model of the planet and then they have that device that uh, allows you to focus on one part of the planet 
and they're showing you what they're doing. I thought that was all really interesting. I liked it. Even today, I thought it held out. Oh, yeah. The the whole thing was very uh, exciting from a sci-fi perspective in that way because there was a lot of like interesting like uh, future tech that was shown uh, that like you were like, oh, you know, you know, and now actually the funny thing is is that like you can you can kind of it's funny twenty oh, gosh, more than twenty years later. <laughs> it's funny how many years have gone by and now like this stuff seems like even understandable to a layman like myself. You know, it's like, oh yeah, that's how they have a network of satellites that are constantly observing the planet and they can show you the surface at any time and then the computer extrapolates data based on algorithms and uh and you know all kinds of uh all kinds of uh you know data projections and then it lets you know what the planet's going to look like in 35 years based on its best you know its best information and and of course you know all of that now we understand because we all understand how data works we understand how like data collection works we understand how algorithms work i mean these are things that like a 1988 or 89 person average person didn't understand and you know now in in 2016 it's like you know kids are playing with ipads which you know again a pad is another thing that was introduced on star trek the next generation that didn't exist in the, in that fashion and one can't help but wonder was the ipad um uh kind of the format of it the form factor of an ipad was it inspired. you know inspired by star trek uh at all and if 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 not then it's safe to say that the engineers, uh, the the team of designers that were working on the props and special effects in Star Trek: The Next Generation were very, uh, very um, in tune with what humans would actually use. What would it's very common sense design, in a sense. You know, like it makes sense if we're not going to use paper and notebooks anymore that we would have these things that kind of resemble them. So it's it's a beautiful Star Trek and Star Trek science fiction in general. And the relationship uh, that it has with science is a beautiful thing. And this episode is a really strong one. I think I, I would even venture, I would love to know if someone, if this uh, episode reaches your ears, if you were inspired to become either a geologist or a scientist or a just anything, a scientist or a designer because of Star Trek, or Star Trek: The Next Generation. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> well, there, there's there's a just countless stories of people who watch Star Trek, and they've gone into NASA, and, and astronauts have said they've been inspired. And and I know James Doohan always had stories of people who said, "Oh, I became an engineer because of Scotty," and all that yeah. stuff. But, but but this is an ep this is this is a, a an episode where where yeah, the science is uh, is very intriguing, and of course it's it's a um, I, get, I suppose it's a natural, in, in a way, it's, it's sort of uh, continuing um, ideas that we saw in Star Trek II uh, with the, Genesis, right? Through Genesis, uh, which, which is definitely more science fiction, more science fiction than this one. I mean, what we see in this episode seems within the realm of possibility. Right, as opposed to Star Trek Two, where you you know, you know they're 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 talking. I mean, not not that it doesn't make sense, but it seems a little more out of our reach than it is right now. I mean, these terraformers seem to be uh, uh, doing stuff that you know, if you read popular science, uh, 
or or Omni magazine, you would say, oh, yes, yes, you could apply that to Venus or Mars or whatever. Right. Well, yeah, and in science, uh, in science, like, in the science world, the, the term terraforming probably was around since the 50s or 60s because one can imagine scientists were dreaming, uh, you know, as the space race was, you know, like, what, what about going to the moon? You know, like, imagine terraforming the moon so that it's, like, Endor. That would be amazing. I would yeah. love to live on. I'd love to live on Earth's forest moon. <laughs> 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 that would be a wonderful experience. But um, but I guess for Star Trek fans, especially me at a young age, this was a great introduction to terraforming. And the writers chose to to in universe, the writers chose to make it kind of a mystery. What terraforming is was a mystery to the crew and a wonder as well. Um, when yeah, that was a curious yeah. Uh, uh, plot. To, I mean, I, I, when you re when you when you think about it, you realize they they probably should have known more about it than they did. But it was a nice way of introducing the concept to the audience. To the audience, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And um, yeah, the, and I guess what's interesting is that the concept of terraforming in this instance is probably the most realistic portrayal of what an actual terraforming operation would look like you know um something that would take 35 years whereas uh genesis uh you know it was a pretty quick process this you shoot this uh genesis device into a planet and then it basically melts it and then reforms it which is a uh, if you think about what it's the, the genesis device is doing like if you remember the graphic that was playing yeah. That uh, doctor, <laughs> Doctor McCoy, uh, that upset Doctor McCoy so much. Upset Doctor McCoy so. Yeah, that's such a good. To govern your passions. <clears throat> it's a pretty scary and violent. See, like this terraforming operation, like you. It's gradual. It's gradual, and you have a chance to like. Actually, it's it's essential that it's gradual because these poor life forms that that were on the planet that they previously thought was lifeless would have stood no chance if it were no. a genesis mm -hmm. a genesis thing and in fact um we'd probably have a different outcome altogether but um that's an interesting point too is that uh terraformers have a code of ethics and uh, they believe that you can you should only terraform a planet which has been proven to be lifeless now which we see in too. <laughs> What's that? Which we see in Star Trek too. Right. Well, for Carl Marcus is absolutely adamant. It has to be absolutely lifeless. Actually. Right. Well, because what Genesis is doing is so right. violent. It would, exactly. you know. And there's that scene, uh, so nice. Spock just kind of simplifies, and he's like, "Well, uh, the previous uh, life would be destroyed in favor of the new Matrix." <laughs> <laughs> so he's just, Matrix. he's just so calm. <laughs> Spock is just so calm about mass death. Um, so, so well, anyways, the, so, yeah, exactly, like, um, you know, with this kind of terraforming process, there is a chance to discover, uh, it, it, gives the, it gives us a chance to discover uh, life. Now, what did you think about Dr. Mendel and his team and their kind of, their kind of motivations? Like, uh, do you think they were just, do you think they really genuinely were turning a were just not seeing the signs or do you think that they were seeing the signs and were in denial? I I I think I think they were blind I, I think they were blinded by by their duty I mean by their perceived duty to terraform this planet I I think uh 
I mean, really what they were faced with, you know, this, this new life form is pretty radical. And, um, now some of the evidence that was given anecdotally, I mean, especially about the sand and all that stuff. I'm like, well, uh, yeah, like, how do you, yeah, they, they were making squares and triangles. Right. I mean, how do you <laughs> not think something? Um, but you know, people it's just Starfleet playing a trick on us. They're using lasers from outer space to illuminate the light in the sand in certain patterns. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what? There's something to be said. Just, I mean, just as a precaution, will you run a life form scan? <laughs> these are very good impressions of, of, of the late great Walter Gotel, I think. It's a, <laughs> That's his name. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's a four person crew, they're isolated. I mean, you can almost imagine an episode. Five people. You forgot the one that died. Oh, right. Correct. Five <laughs> people. Five people. Uh, but you can almost imagine like a pre-episode to this episode. You know, before the the story before the Enterprise got here, these, these people they're isolated. Um, there's obviously some. There's a little bit of tension there. You know, they have nothing to do with this new life form. I just want to say that um, if there's anyone on the new Star Trek series listening to this um, broadcast, uh, that I think that you should have like little pre-episodes and uh, and uh, f- little web snippets or whatever that kind of just like tease at, at this. You, you have that opportunity. It works really well in Doctor Who. I was waiting for that. I was waiting for that. Um, but, but don't you think, I mean, I think what I like about this episode is that, um, the enterprise comes to this situation, but you can easily imagine that this situation could have played out. Like this would have been an interesting situation regardless of whether the enterprise had been involved or not. Right. You're absolutely right. There was something happening here and the enterprise just happened to stumble upon it. But, um, you kind of had a set of characters that were interesting. Um, and there would have been an interesting story regardless, you know, with just those characters, with just those terraformers. Because you have, you had the, the older, you had the elder, the elder terraformer, I guess, um, who is, you know, driven to, you know, complete this, this mission. Right. He has a distinct, you could tell he has a very distinguished career and he's on right. he's all about timetables. And he's almost, he's, he, I think he, he's developed, and just as strong as Picard, uh, and especially, uh, you know, one one must now respectfully give nods and accolades to uh, the actor. Yeah. Him because he's clearly a very good actor. I mean, he he did, he knew when to, he even, he was even able to get the audience, like, in that one scene where Captain Picard kind of flat out accuses him of, you know, tries to accuse him of possibly murdering the one, the one other character. He looks offended i mean like he it looked the actor portrays that and he seems really offended his whole demeanor changes and he seems really vulnerable at that moment he's this very strong kind of like uh you know impenetrable personality and then in that moment he's just completely like horrified that that anyone would even suggest such a thing he's like i create life not destroy it you know that was cool that's a great line yeah that's one of the great lines of the episode and um and then you've got the very idealistic and young um, terraformer, the, the 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 female, the the woman. Oh yeah, uh, she's she's a great actress 
she was great in this too. And but it's I find it peculiar that they sent Riker to console her. <laughs> it was a little, it was a little I, I believe it was Troy who who sent him right i mean <laughs> yeah by the way this way was, to question troy i mean by the, the way i have troy. to say so this was a troy centric this was a very heavy troy episode and you don't what? seem you don't you seem really bothered yeah, you, as a yeah. troy centric episode there was a lot of troy involvement in this episode and you don't seem bothered we're getting to differ on this <laughs> explain what did she have to do in this episode other <laughs> than other than the initial captain there's something on wrong on the planet. He's deceiving us somehow. Other than that, what did she do? She's constantly advising us. She's using her her abilities to advise Captain Picard about the kind of underlying emotional state of all of the murder suspects, which um, are clearly seen by everybody else. <laughs> Once again, she's just the queen of pointing out the obvious. <laughs> 1989 audiences may not have had a as as a, as a deep sense of empathy as as maybe uh, 2016 audiences do. I don't know. Anybody who, who read <laughs> Agatha Christie? I mean, come on. I mean, it's just like, dude. All right. So then, at the end, though, she's really she kind of steps in and like you know she she steps in in that desperate moment when they're trying to have negotiations with the uh silicone based life forms which i don't like the name by the way microbrain they call they call this poor thing the yeah, which reminds me of q's uh character insult Worf. yeah he's insulting Worf. usually calls him microbrain macro head Absolutely. Um, yeah so i didn't i don't know if i enjoyed the microbrain name for them uh, uh but anyway, she steps in and she says to them, uh, she lets them know that we think that they're beautiful. We think that they are beautiful. And I think that kind of like shocks the microbrain into kind of sort of being like, well, that's weird. We just called these things ugly and they are because they're killing us, but they think we're beautiful. Maybe there is a misunderstanding there. I think she's, she plays a lot of uh, Im important kind of, um, She's a key player in the revelation of the uh, of the plot here, and I, 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 again, you didn't seem too bothered. You're not bothered more no, than no, because I really, <laughs> honestly, have no memory of Troy having much to do in the episode. I actually, to be honest, the the I thought the among the cast, the core cast, the the three that that stood out, uh, obviously, you know, Picard. Um, second is Data. You know, Data's oh, Data is great. Data engages the laser. Uh, which he is destroys that thing. Destroys the thing, and I love the when when the guy is just standing next to it, and he's just he's always like, "This took two years to build," and he's just like, oh, you know." I mean, yeah, it's I a great moment. It's it's. I mean, I was waiting for that. It's like reminiscent of when Luke kills the uh, Rancor. And, yeah. the, and the Rancor's Wrangler in Star Wars is like, wah, wah, you know, like exactly. Um, and then later on, uh, I remember as a kid just realizing what a badass uh, character Data is. Yeah. Uh, in this episode, I remember being just like, "Holy shit!" Like Data just completely like made mincemeat out of this like really powerful laser, and he was able to maneuver faster than it could, and it's supposed to be really fast. And, and also, it's, like, it's it's data who realizes 
that he's the one that that re that rationalizes that you know the way the laser was moving was indicative of um of uh, of somebody controlling it uh, yeah you know i mean it this could have been just cast aside as a freak accident but it's data and it's interesting because you know data being the android um realizes that this is not just a computer acting you know going haywire this is this is a, a mind uh a living mind controlling this device and yeah. uh, and then later on I, there, there's other scenes where data seems very you know um, come to yeah and come to think of it like this is an episode i can't think of a lot of episodes where this happens but it seems like um in this episode in particular every core member of the crew gets like a nice little scene i mean uh wharf even you know when they're when they're trying to analyze the pattern uh being emitted by the uh um silicone based uh inorganic life form um you know the three of them uh uh wharf Data and Jordy are at the Alcar station at their various Alcar stations doing research, and that's a pretty funny scene when you know Worf and they're all discussing like the different aspects of this life form, and they're kind of like coming to the conclusion that it's like you know somehow able to convert light into energy, and it you know um, and any everything, and then you know Worf has that moment where he's like, it's kind of a funny moment where he's like. What do you think it is? And you know, what do you think this is? And the and the computer answers and says, possibly inorganic life form. And he's like, I wasn't asking you. Yeah. Um, and then Jordy has that other beautiful scene. He's the one who actually discovers uh, when he's exploring. That is a nice scene. Yeah, and he discovers the the life form, and he's describing it's uh, the light is harmonious, almost like music, and you know there's no pattern that he can discern, and you know that's a really nice little moment. And then Doctor Crusher has a huge part to play in the medical lab. Person, I was gonna say. Yeah, she's like she's really great in terms of all that. And then you know Commander Rikers, and it it's a pretty balanced episode. Even even Tasha, you know, is is appropriately in there, you know, in the mix. And, and she seems to have like uh, some input to make. And I, I thought that was wonderful to see like the crew collaborating in various ways to uncover, uh, you know, the mystery of this, this, uh, this life form and what's going on on the planet and the murder itself. Um, yeah. I thought it was really well balanced, but obviously you're right. There are uh, cast members that did have, you know, characters that did have more, to do than the other, and I thought I also thought Picard was superb. This was like a uh, an instance that shows how his captaining is. You know, like he's a very cerebral, very like thoughtful captain, and he, you know, he's 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 come to he, you know, he jumps to a few conclusions, but he's not, you know, he's not attached to them. Um, he's just he just wants to get to the bottom of it and he's doing it in like his kind of Dixon Hill sort of way. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. You mentioned his, his captaining. Um, the events of, of this episode are mentioned in, uh, in one of Peter David's novels. It's, uh, it's one that involves the mirror mirror universe in the next, uh, next generation in the mirror mirror universe. And one of the things that Picard, our, our Picard, 
is horrified about his mirror counterpart is that his mirror counterpart destroyed the 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 life forms on this planet. Oh, and um, so when you when you point out that this is an excellent example of his of of how he commands, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think this shows. Uh, I think this is one of the highlights of, of Picard's uh, career. Almost, you know. I mean, dealing. I mean, this is a brand new life form. How many other times? I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, they'll find other brand new life forms over the course of, of the series, obviously. But um, this this is one of the the more unique ones, and uh, he certainly balanced the 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 you know the trying to figure out, trying to make contact, trying to make peace with these. With, with, with this alien life form and balance that with, you know, protecting his ship. I thought he did that very well. I, yeah. And I, if I remember um, correctly, I don't think this, I don't know if this was one of the episodes, but there were a few, quite a few uh, Emmy awards um, that went to uh, writing um, on Star Trek, the next generation. And this is an episode where you could see why, you know, why um, if this wasn't Emmy nominated, wasn't no unfortunately oh, okay well but you can see why star trek the next generation was nominated for emmys for its writing i mean it is really great writing um just the whole like i mean it's a very complex kind of like um uh rev- set of reveals and like characterizations yeah. and like and a, and a very like nice you know it's got a nice balance of like learning about characters and uh, you know, intrigue and even a little bit of action. Like it's all just kind of wonderfully sprinkled in. Yeah, absolutely. This great absolutely. recipe. I mean, it, 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 it really carries you through the entire hour. Even, yeah, even when, when the, re- like even there's all kinds of layers because at the end, the, uh, the uh, terraformer, the one who they kept it from, you know, the kept the information from and the, the one that Riker goes to, uh, console. What was her na- her character's name? I'm gonna have to look it up. But anyways, she's uh, when they discover that the silicone based uh, life form feeds off of light, and uh, Captain Picard um, orders the light level in the lab to be um, diminished. Um, she comes to the realization. She's like, "Light, of course, we're like burning off layers of this water." this underground water and the very top of it, the very top centimeter of this water layer is uh, where the, the light still penetrates to. And if that water had dipped just one centimeter lower, all of these um, life forms would start to, to starve. And then, then the gravity of the, of the situation really hits uh, in that scene, Dr. Mendel, the whole, the whole science, you know, the terraformers, they all realize, Oh, something so innocuous you know something as as simple as evaporating water that we were just we we just do it as a routine was about to destroy this entire civilization of inorganic life forms that we're trying this whole time to communicate we're here like stop (laughs) stop doing what you're doing and 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 they couldn't see it and so that you really do feel the weight of that revelation i mean she's crying and i don't blame her i mean she's like really torn up about it because because yeah that's a big deal imagine if like you know 
these lightning bolts would come out of the sky periodically and just destroy hundreds of thousands of humans. And we find out later and we're trying, we're, we, there's like a giant spaceship, you know, in the sky that's causing this and we're trying, we're like sending up, you know, all kinds of things for them to, to see. And they, they just, they're like, what is this weird shit that's happening? This planet doesn't have any life form. It turns out they're all crystal life forms, you know, and they don't, they don't think of organic, uh, beings as life, so it, it's very profound. Yeah, I mean, and and I like it when Star Trek challenges our ideas about life and existence. Um, I mean, that scenario you're describing, you know, uh, Star Trek Four. I mean, uh, that's <laughs> one of the reasons right. I love Star Trek Four. I mean, the yeah. idea that this probe came out of nowhere and it came to to speak to whales. I mean, you know. Why, you know, what's that line that Spock has? You know, it's very arrogant to just assume that uh, this probe came to talk to human beings, <laughs> exactly. other intelligent life. Yeah. You know, and, and we're, we're realizing more. I mean, um, you know, there are so many people that don't, you know, forgetting the argument about whether even we have souls or if life forms have souls, like, let's put that argument aside, right? Uh -huh. Um Another thing that uh, we think is valuable in life outside of a soul or, you know, a consciousness, um, the other thing that we think is valuable is intelligence, right? We, we really value intelligence. And so when you hear about these stories about octop octopuses, like doing these extraordinary uh, kinds of things that show that they have to like really reason things out. And when you, if you've ever owned a pet, like a dog or a cat, and you realize that there is some kind of like communication that occurs between you and, and, and this animal, it is easy to see how arrogant humans are in that we generally dismiss all life on earth as like ours to do with as we please to quote the same, <laughs> the same movie, you know? And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a very compelling kind of thing. You know, funny. It's funny though. Uh, I I know we don't. I know that you'll probably not follow me on this journey when I finally do get back to Enterprise. But I do remember one of the significant things that I remembered was the conversation that um, uh, as a kid. I well, I wasn't a kid anymore when Enterprise came out. I think it was in my twenties. But um, it, in Broken Bow, um, there's a scene where Archer is having dinner with trip and uh to paul mm -hmm. and you know they bring her a vegetarian dish and she's like that's so strange to me that you guys you know here you are claiming to be an advanced uh civilization yet you still eat steaks you know and trip kind of throws it in her face and it's like you know you go from that to replicated matter in Star Trek The Next Generation, you realize that humans did finally get past the eth the ethical dilemma of like, you know, I'm not I'm not going to try to, you know, tout vegetarianism or veganism, but I do I'm think that, that, yeah, I do think that like, um, that there is going to come a point where we grow meat and we won't have to kill animals to get meat. And that's just going to be the way most people do it, you know? And like, yeah, sure. There's like something exciting and thrilling about the hunt or whatever it's in our, it's in our, uh, our instinctual DNA, you know, to, to do that. But I don't hunt for my cows or I don't go fishing for my fish, no. <laughs> you know? So I'm already past that. And so I'm happy to have it, have it be grown meat. 
And that's my little social commentary. <laughs> well said, well said, sir. Um, I, I want to point out, uh, sort of going beyond the episode, as they say, uh, that uh, the character of, I'm sorry, what's, what's the lead? Terraformers? Dr. Mendel. Dr. Mendel. Sorry. I think he's called Director Mendel. I Director Mendel? Okay, Director Mendel uh is uh appears in uh in a book um about terraforming it's oh. uh again it's one of these you know i mean the can whether or not you consider these can or not but i, I thought it was it was an interesting premise because it's uh it's one of these um star trek starfleet core of engineering books which they're 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 these they're smaller books and it actually involves um, a binar, which we just had. We you know we just had that episode oh. not too long ago. But it was a it's a binar who has lost its pair. So oh. it's and the binars have uh, the, this binar who has lost its his her pair um, is a pariah in the society. Oh man, that's terrible. This binar has been, you know, um, excised from the cast out, cast out, and ha and actually has taken on a regular name because it no because apparently the binars all use some variation of one zero one zero as their names, uh, but this one takes the name of Solomon, and Solomon apparently somehow they they, they consult uh, Doctor Mendel. With the terraforming of Venus, oh, uh, which, which is interesting that it even in the time of of you know Star Trek, Venus is still an untamed <laughs> planet, uh, which is as, certainly as one of the be. planets that um, I mean I can't tell you how many times uh, growing up I would read these um, you know th th these science. These these science forecasting books, let's call them. You know, <laughs> right, right. That you know, you and I read these books. You know, um, yeah. exactly. You know, magazines like that, and talking about you know how Venus could be tamed if you, you just introduce. I mean, obviously Venus ha is, has a mostly carbon dioxide atmosphere. If you can just introduce oxygen, if you could throw plants in there, which plants are gonna, you know, consume the carbon dioxide. What are the plants gonna do? They're gonna excise. Oxygen. Oxygen. I don't know if the Venetians would be very happy about that. I mean, they're they. The I don't Venetians know. Are, according to Doctor Who, the Venetians are, are long gone, my friend. <laughs> the, the third Doctor dealt with the Venetians, <laughs> learned their Aikido, and, and that was a very very long time. Ago. <laughs> don't have right. to worry about that. All right. Very good. <laughs> um, and I also want to point out that the. Um, the 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 younger uh, female um, terraformer. She was a former Miss Hawaii. Oh, and uh, she's. I think she's actually gone on to do some environmental stuff. And uh, she was on the show China Beach. I don't know what that show is. But uh, it was a very popular funny. show in the in the late eighties. Early '90s. It's the one that was the nurses in Vietnam. With, what's her? Uh, what's the actress's name? Let me consult. <laughs> oh, your Star Trek companion. Very cool. Star Trek 
Arctic Companion. Uh, we are talking about Elizabeth Lindsay. And, uh, um, and of course, the uh, uh, Dr. Mendel is, of course, played by... Did we talk? Did we mention it? Yeah, yet? you mentioned it, the actor's name. But did we mention what he's known for? William Goethe? Oh, I don't know if you did. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, he is known as being the head of the KGB in the James Bond movies running from basically the 60s, the second movie from Rushwood Love, all the way up to, uh, I think his last appearance was Living Daylights uh, with Timothy Dalton's Bond. And, and in, which, in which case, he had been in the series for so long, and fans loved him so much that they, they, they actually, in that movie, they said that he is no longer the head of the KGB. Now he's in charge of, um, he's the guy that, hand, that gives uh, uh, Russians visas to visit the, <laughs> the West. Because they wanted to make him nicer. Because he'd been, <laughs> in these all, everybody loved the guy. You know, so it's like, well, we don't have the heart to make him a villain anymore. He's been around for so long, which That's I thought a, was very, was very amusing. That is amusing. That's very nice honor to be given to an actor where you're, you're, uh, you're so beloved that your character now yeah. is is shaped after you. Um, he would, he will always t be special General to me. Vogel, that was his name. Oh, okay, he'll always be. This actor will always be special to me because when I was a kid, the first time I saw this episode, I was like, oh my gosh. Is my uncle Morris an actor? And I thought, like, genuinely thought that my uncle was was harboring a secret life as an actor, um, so because, because they look so alike. Uh, <laughs> did, you, did you ever? So, did you ever recognize him in the Bond movies? I did. I did because you know the bulk of the Bond movies I saw when I was like just a kid and Roger Moore's, which is yeah, Windows, yeah, yeah. So I did recognize him, but I forgot that fact this time around. Like I totally forgot about it. All these years later, it just got buried wow. deep inside the vaults of my memory. <laughs> That's funny, the vaults that are so deep that I've lost the keys. <laughs> I, I do not we know how to all have vaults like that. I I no longer know how to access some of my memories. They're just they're just somewhere deep inside the Swiss bank account of my mind. <laughs> we all have vaults like that. Um, well, uh, oh, I mean, um, the uh, the nomenclature that the micro brain has for us: ugly bags of water. Ugly bags of mostly, isn't it? Mostly water. Ugly bags of mostly, mostly water, water. I think is probably one of the best. One of the best nicknames for human beings. Yeah, uh, it's true. I, I know that entertained us endlessly when we were when when we were younger. Yeah, it puts things into perspective. It does. <laughs> um, I love the the part in in the episode where um, they're studying uh, they're studying it at, at at the different you know microscopic levels. Oh yeah, even Wesley Wesley's in that scene. Oh yeah, Wesley isn't. Yes, and he doesn't save the day. He doesn't save the day for once. He yeah. doesn't for once. Um, <laughs> the adults are capable in in Star Trek. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but I, I, I liked. It, you're right. It's a very well balanced episode. Um, 
you know, if I run it through my through my head, I mean, obviously Picard is, you know, has his stuff to do. Um, uh, Troy is the one that I guess uncovers the initial uh, mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordy is the one that finds, discovers the uh, the life form. Mm-hmm. Uh, Data is uh, as lo- as well as uh, um, disabling the laser. Also, is involved in rationalizing that yes, this is a life form. Crusher does her job, fulfills her job, and says and studies it, and you know provides data on it. Uh, Tasha, when, when they're going to go get the guy, um, she's no, no, I'll go and goes in, and I mean it's, it's short, but. And then later on on the bridge, Picard chooses her um, look up the psych profiles on these people. Oh yeah, to like figure out, you know, because she's the security officer, obviously. Right. So I mean, that would be part of her training. Um, so you're you're absolutely right. Everybody has everybody is well tasked in yeah. this episode, and uh, you really see um, something that. Um, you know the the you realize that the tasks that this crew have are a little more they're a little more diversified than what you would find in the original show you know the original show basically everybody's task was on the bridge you right. know who right. was communications Sulu was helm Chekhov was navigator McCoy and Scotty were the only ones that you know had something else to do somewhere else on the ship but right. these people, you know, um, are a little more um, diverse in, in their tasks. I mean, you know, Tasha left the bridge to go do this and, and you know, all that stuff. So it's... Well, yeah, and the, Enter- and the Enterprise is a pretty extraordinary ship. I mean, it has, like, so many different... Like, what I like about it is that um, it kind of fulfills this. It's just big enough to be believable that there are... There is a stellar cartography. There is, like you know, hydroponics and like, absolutely. you know, it's just so like, you, you totally believe it, that there are whale navigators, right. um, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't, I mean, I'm sure it, it was just on the verge of being suggested by Picard that can we have the whale navigators attempt to, to communicate with the, the the um microbrain but exactly you know, he was under a lot of stress so he just kind of forgot that they're, they're you know they could have tried i mean they communicated with that probe so by the way the ship shaking is a pretty scary thing <laughs> like um it's like a thundering sound and the, i thought about it like i never thought about this when i was a kid i mean it was always like oh cool the ship's like gonna get torn apart but it makes yeah. sense there, like there's like a lot of metal that's being jolted suddenly or buckling you know and it's like the only that's thing not. the only thing holding it together are these inertial dampeners and like you know uh plate plate shielding and there's a lot of technology that needs to function to keep this thing from uh flying apart <laughs> so it's pretty scary man when it's so, did, did they say um when are they supposed it's did they say come back and see us in 300 yeah so the 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 result is once they've kind of established that scene once they've kind of established communication and like you know picard 
has to resort to removing its food source, um, then the the alien um, the microbrain finally succumbs and says, "Yeah, it, it's clear that you know fighting is not the answer. We want to live. They don't want to die, and they don't they don't like the idea of dying. Especially now that this particular one has evolved to like uh, th this is now like the emperor of its of its kind because up until now they just kind of like through the saline like water and the, um, the, the shaft of light and, yeah. and light they were able to feed and they just kind of like gently communicated with each other in this like giant network and now it's this solid like it's a new version of this life so i can imagine it's going to go down there and become like the emperor or whatever of its of its kind or like the supreme leader um so i think um you know i'll uh, do you think for a future Star Trek series, uh, just as, uh, you know, we had uh, we, we had the Khan episode revisited in Star Trek 2, do you think uh, there's potential for a future Star Trek show to perhaps revisit um, this planet? If the if the show doesn't take place 300 years from now, then no. I think that the I hope that Starfleet and the Federation will respect the wishes of the crystal-like um, life forms and, and genuinely not come back for 300 years. Because maybe this well, life form being... being if, was, if, if we have, yes, if we have a Star Trek show that takes place 300 years from... from oh, they better, they better come back. I can also see um, a future and, you know, future Starfleet ships computer um, being sentient in this way, in that like the computer is um, an organic life, um, you know, uh, it it wouldn't be outside of the realm of an intriguing possibility. And you know, um, again, we talk a lot about other science fiction series, but essentially that's what the TARDIS is. It's a it's a living, uh, it's a living machine. It, the time machine itself is alive. Uh, it has a matrix and a soul and a heart and you know like and they're not like you know organic like necessarily they're there it could be inorganic and so i think it's a cool concept and so i wouldn't be surprised if like a future starship um could have a a, a thinking uh sentient computer um and you kind of like are you know its main objective is to protect the crew. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, uh, earlier in this series, you had mentioned that one of the concepts Gene Roddenberry had for uh, Star Trek Administration was the ship was so advanced that the crew didn't even really have to fly it. Remember, it was like, yes. you know, and so yeah. so the, you you just kind of hung out in a lounge. Yeah, you know? <laughs> so. I, I, it was. It's, I don't know. Yeah, the the sketch they made of of that bridge was really quite uh, something else. <laughs> it was very I mean, essentially, the ship, the, there, was, there was no navigator, there was no helm. The ship ran it all. Um, actually, it's very, it's somewhat similar to Blake 7. Um, mm. Blake 7 is, the, the Liberator, is, is basically managed by, um, by, by the computer aboard the Liberator. Um, Gosh, I can remember Orac, but I can't remember Zed. That's his name, Zed. And um, but none the and and you do there is kind of like a lounging area 
on the bridge. And you often do find that Blake <laughs> crew is just sitting around. I mean, there is helm control. I mean, there is manual helm control, and you do see them flying the ship. But most of the time, you do just see them just hanging out on the couch. <laughs> taking care of everything. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not it's not outside. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean no, to. Well, it's not outside the realm of possibility that like a computer could be that advanced. And like now in our in our popular fiction, like uh, Iron Man, for example, the character of Jarvis is definitely artificial intelligence and 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 seems to exhibit sentience. And then, of course, you know, Ultron uh, <clears throat> and and the Vision all spawn from that as well. So, I mean, there's some interesting things that can that can definitely happen. And I think um, some of our uh, some of our most uh, kind of uh, some of the thought leaders in that in that landscape, uh, such as Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, and um, you know, they're that's what they're after. They want artificial intelligence, so it's it's an interesting concept. Um, I, I, you know, I, I proclaim ignorance on on this subject. Uh, on but I seem to recall on Voyager. Isn't there, isn't the concept, it's not the ship's computer, but is it that the ship's engine is alive? Oh, is that right? I don't know. I, my, my Voyager, that Voyager is definitely deep, deeply locked in the vaults of my, uh, you my... have attempted to watch Voyager <laughs> more often than I have. I you have, know, I have. That's where, that is where I cannot go. That is the place I cannot go. <laughs> that only the Kwisatz Haderach can go there. Um, only. <laughs> which I will attempt. I, I will find out if I'm alive and human. But I, um, <laughs> but I, I do recall. You on that, on that mission. I do recall that the Voyager. I don't. I don't quite recall that. I do recall that the computer was somehow, uh, jelly or like. There's really? like I don't know. There's some kind of like new thing about the computer that you're. Now I'm starting to wonder if Voyager didn't tackle this um, head on. I'm gonna have to look at in, look into it. But um, but also I do remember the ship had some kind of ability to repair itself. It was like a very crude version of like what the Borg ships were able to do. That the Voyager itself. Really? Yeah, I do remember something like that. That it was an advance. The Voyager wasn't was supposed to be some kind of a um, a prototype starship interesting the prometheus class right isn't that i have no idea voyager. Oh, man. well when starfleet boy gets to voyager which will be a while because the next series after next generation i plan to uh to discuss with you or anyone is is the original series after. okay oh this is interesting okay. yeah oh so you didn't know the plan <laughs> But but Deep Space Nine is being covered by well, there's a version of Deep, of Deep Space Nine called Drunk Space Nine, and I have to say the discussions are pretty. I'm pleased with the discussion, so I might skip DS Nine. Um, like Goldie Scott has a he's a real big DS Nine so that, fan. That's the yeah. plan. Is you're doing Next Generation, he's doing Deep Space Nine. Drunk Space. You're gonna Nine. do the original series. And then Voyager, and then Enterprise. You're going to do Voyager and Enterprise, yeah. Well, I will join you for Enterprise. Okay. I, I recommend we do the animated series. Oh yeah, we have to do the animated. By the way, we forgets the animated series. Yeah, no, we have to do that too. Um, but I, 
I honestly, I think I would rather, and and this shows you my 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 the deep contempt I have for Voyager. I would rather watch. I shouldn't say what I was going to say. Just say it. Just say it. It's I would okay. rather watch those Star Trek: The Continuing. Have you seen the, these Star Trek: The Continuing episodes or something? What? What is this? Is this a fan? The the guy that built the sets. In it's in Florida, and they're amazing sets. They're beautiful sets, and they're currently they're they're continuing Star Trek, the original series. They have, I think they have James Doohan's son. What playing Scotty? What? And there's this guy who who's who's you know he's doing the Kirkisms and stuff, but um, and they had Colin Baker, of all people, Colin Baker was on an episode. And they've had several episodes that, that are kind of interesting because they've had original actors. They actually had George Takei. Oh, wow. This sounds like a really cool thing. So it's on YouTube, right? It's on YouTube. I would, I would, I would rather do Starfleet Boy <laughs> on that than Voyager. Okay. Well, no offense to those people, but I, I consider them more canon than, than, than Voyager. I well, just, so... We should definitely talk offline about watching uh, what is it called? Star Trek: The Continuing Voyages. No, it's it's online somewhere. But we'll um, we'll we'll, co- we'll bring we'll come back to this subject. For me, cool. Star Trek ends essentially at um, I, I guess at, at at Deep Space Nine. You know. <laughs> well, no well, I mean, other than Nemesis and right, but Enterprise has the distinction of it's. It now holds. It goes way back, so it's it's actually before the original series. So I I don't I don't I like Enterprise. I it has I have its I have issues. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a perfect show, but I think uh, it was a show that was still finding its legs when it got canceled. It was it it was canceled way too soon, way too soon. It was already finding its legs when it was when it was when it was uh, axed. It was a regardless of how. I didn't. I didn't really get into Enterprise, and part of that had to do with just kind of, I know, you know, life. Yeah. Life happens, right? But mm-hmm. um, I have to say that, like, uh, you know, the fact that I even remembered that scene from Broken Bow is, yeah. you know, shows that the show was, you know, interest. It was intriguing to me, but also that um, I think you're absolutely right. It was. It was a sad thing to hear that a Star Trek series didn't get to go. Um, through with its seven year, I think seven years is like the this yeah. kind of the benchmark, uh, you know, because the next generation reached seven years. Next generation, Deep Space Nine reached seven years, and if any few, I mean, no offense, but I mean, if Voyager, which was my opinion, my personal opinion, which was a, a terrible show, could be allowed to reach seven years, how Enterprise, which is far superior, could have been undercut like that, I. I have trouble with that. I don't know. Oh, I have trouble uh, understanding that. We'd love to know what others think about this. But when it comes time to have discuss casual and informal discussions about Voyager, I'll make <laughs> sure to uh, I'll make sure to even though you'll always be invited, I'll make sure to make to have a uh, a Voyager fan as my co-host. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. So, what do we uh, on a scale of one to five? What do we say about this episode, Doctor? I give it a seven. Hey, I'm gonna follow suit. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is scale to one of one to five. You're giving it a oh, seven. Oh oh yeah. oh! Okay. I thought I was like, wow, that's like really exciting. You, oh no 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 no! Then um then let me say, uh, I give this a three point seven. I give this uh, episode a solid five. I had I had no problems with uh, any of the um, less uh, less amazing choices, but overall it was just a very well balanced uh, episode with a with a beautiful and intriguing story. And I thought it was just a sweet spot. It was like a very sweet where everything seemed to just work really well for me. So. All right, excellent. Is very high. Is I mean, there are very few. Fi- I, I'm very. Uh, yeah, you'll reserve the fives. Yeah, three point seven is good for me. I get, <laughs> I agree with you. It's a very good episode. Excellent. All right. Well, on that note, we uh, can uh, say goodbye and uh, live long and prosper, Doctor. Live long and prosper. Ugly bags of water. <laughs>